0: Well, welcome to Q&A. We are so glad that you decided to join us. And if you have questions from today's message, the number is up on the screen. So we really do invite you to text in your question. So we have an opportunity to answer that this morning. And just glad that you're here. I'm continuing in the series through Ephesians. Walk in, and this one, in maturity.
1: Growing maturity. Growing
0: maturity. Right. Um, and I think there's a lot of pieces in this that I was like, oh, my word, I identify with that and bringing me back to thinking through past experiences of opportunities or situations that the Lord has used to grow me huh. in certain areas. Yeah. Um, and one of the questions that's already come in this morning reminded me of that. So that I grew up in a legalistic church hmm. and find myself um, judging other believers when uh, they exercise their personal convictions that go against the rules or legalists, sorry, they said right. legalistic rules I learned. Yeah. How do I adjust my thinking and get past this? Yeah.
1: Great question. Um, <clears throat> first of all, I can relate. And um, the process of washing legalism out of us is not necessarily a process, because especially if you were really schooled in it, grew up in it, it can be so hard to learn to distinguish between what have become our personal convictions Mm -hmm. and what are the biblical commands. So uh, my encouragement to you would be this, um, understand it is a process, but the first step is recognizing Wow, there was some legalism in my background. And I want to be sure that I do say this, Tracy, that um, legalism is not good, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: but the Lord can use not good. In fact, what I mean by that is I recognize when I look back that legalism was part of the... um, utter defeat of my capacity to do everything that I was supposed to do. Now a lot of that was beyond what the Lord said and it was what other people were adding onto it but ultimately uh, the Lord even used legalism to lead me to himself which is Hmm. the law is intended to lead us to Christ. That's what Galatians 3 says uh, that the law is to be our tutor to lead us to Christ but that should be the law of God not the law that man has added to the law of God. So that was just an aside. Back to the how do I wash it out? Mm -hmm. You got to recognize it first, and then it's a process of going, all right, let me discern, do, do my convictions flow out of the Word of God or a place in my life where the Word of God is not made of black and white But I am choosing by my own personal conviction to say, I'm still going to live that way, but I'm not going to require others to do that. So put it into uh, the example. And some are going to be very frustrated by this. I I acknowledge that. And so uh, you can text me at TracyJ at (laughs) TracyJax.com.
0: I can forward. (laughs) Yeah, thanks.
1: Now, uh, uh, for—and when I say this, I'm so aware— that alcohol in our day can be abused. Alcoholism is a problem. So I'm not promoting drinking here when I say this. I am acknowledging that what I grew up with was that the Bible said, if you're a Christian, you don't drink. Mm -hmm. And it equated the gospel with the abstinence from alcohol. Then I got to... 18 years old, went west to my first year of college, and I met genuine followers of Jesus who didn't believe the same. And I was like horrified. Can, yes. Right. I was like, how can you, how can you think that that drinking in moderation, they didn't, they weren't drinking in excess. How can you think drinking, and that was legal, so there wasn't, how can you think that's acceptable? And it was such a violation, and there was, as I said, great judgment to them. But they challenged me to show from the scriptures where I based my thinking, and I had to recognize that actually, that I did not have a foundation for the fact that Christian equals never drink. There's certainly great warning against drinking. Right. There's, a, there's a clear uh, admonition against uh, being drunk. So, again, not I'm not waving the flag for drinking. I'm saying this is one of the areas where in an attempt to protect legalism— created a level of a standard by which we were measuring maturity that God didn't defy. Mm -hmm. So I use that as an example for the individual question, and this was for me uh, as well, beginning to discern, what was I taught the Bible said? Does it really say that? Now, I may come to the same conclusion I'm not going to drink, but for a completely different reason, not because the Bible says I shouldn't, but because I want to not be a stumbling block Mm -hmm. to others. I want to set an example that's important to me, but here's the difference. It becomes my personal conviction versus my standard by which I judge other people's practices.
0: Right.
1: So uh, that... Apply that to whatever the area is for you, whether, again, it all depends on what level of maybe climate you came out of, where in the country you grew up, what type of denomination you grew up in terms of what is considered man's roles Mm -hmm. added to it. So. I just really want to be careful because I use drinking a lot because it's such a clear part of my story. of mm-hmm. uh, I I lost confidence in my spiritual leadership that I would come from because I recognized they had established something as from the Bible that actually wasn't. And that's, that's one of the real dangers of legalism. When we equate our rules with God's rules and then people discover they're not, then they're prone to dismiss what we were right on because yeah, yeah. we elevated our own thoughts in some particular areas. That, that's one of the real dangers there. So I hope, I hope that helps that you'll stop judging on beyond what the scripture says. Two passages for you to consider very carefully, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Romans 14. Both of those chapters deal with matters of conscience. In other words, how do I live in a community of believers in areas where uh, I feel strongly about something, but the word of God does not mandate it as right or wrong? There's so much more I could go, but the, um, I think I've said enough.
0: I'm going to get the, some more examples. Well, the challenge of going back to Scripture yes. and saying, is this in Scripture? And then it, it does. It takes time to adjust thinking, if you will, or how you're processing something.
1: Romans 14 says, "Be fully con- each person should become fully convinced in their own mind for themselves.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Judge not, judge not, judge not, judge not. So... Uh, become convinced in what righteousness looks like for you personally based on conviction, not on biblical command, and then don't judge others, either people who are more free than you or less free. It always comes down to what has the Word of God said and not said.
0: Right. Absolutely. So next question here. I struggle with messages that pull me in different directions. Focusing on my God-given gifts can make me wait for the perfect fit opportunity to serve. Telling myself, in God, all things are possible has led me to do things that, in retrospect, seem like failures or a poor decision. Yeah. Any thoughts or guidance?
1: Yeah. Great. Great question. I appreciate that. Um, Some ministries require genuine gifting. Mm Mm-hmm the one that's easy for me to go to is is I could say well in Christ all things are possible and apply to be the worship leader it's true with Christ all things are possible but I'm not a gifted musician I tried to learn how to play the guitar I just don't have rhythm <laughs> so uh, I can't sing very well and I don't have rhythm so uh, I I think it's a mistake to go, well, all things are possible. There are places where needs need to be met, and they don't require any specific gifting. So, here would be my encouragement to this individual. Look where there are needs that don't require like special gifting, and... and, um, You know, we have guys who set up our campus.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: What's that require? It requires a willingness to show up early, sweat, and bring probably an extra shirt <laughs> to change into after <laughs> Especially you set up today, it. today. Yes. So, so But there's not, a, there's not a special gifting involved. Now, don't misunderstand. I'm not diminishing that, that service. It's a great service oh, in so our important. body. Absolutely. So grateful for them. But there doesn't have to be a, there, there might be what you would call there just um, community service, if mm-hmm. you will. And then there's the, the gifted service. You want somebody gifted in music to lead music. You want somebody gifted in teaching to communicate the scriptures. You want somebody gifted in particular areas like that where you don't need that in every area. So, serve... To meet needs where unique gifts aren't going to inhibit the service. And as you discover your gifts, serve in those areas for even greater fruitfulness. So I could set up, and I have set up, um, but I don't think I should set up to the absence of using teaching leading gifts that God has given me. Mm -hmm. doesn't mean I can't serve and I shouldn't serve in those other areas.
0: Absolutely. Um, so the next question here, so you talked about being willing to admonish and accepting admonishment. Yeah. Um, can you give an example of when to admonish someone? I'm not sure I know when I should or when that would be appropriate.
1: Huh. Um, yeah, because I, I appreciate that admonishment should often run in parallel with relationships. The, the closer the relationship, the greater the role of admonishment we probably ought to have in a person's life. Um, well, let me say, there's a position of a teaching pastor that I f- fulfill that I'm to admonish with the work. So there's times where if you're not serving, the Scripture said you should serve. That's an admonishment. That's not based on relationship. That's based on a role that I believe God has given me. But outside of that role, I don't run around um, admonishing people who I don't have relationship with offstage, if you will. And... I generally will seek to um, cultivate a a desire for admonishment before I'll give admonishment. In other words, I might be in relationship with someone who I think, wow, the way they're parenting is not uh, glorifying to the Lord in helping their kids. I would be very, very, very slow to jump into that and admonish that uninvited. Mm, Right. If if that person, I'll go back to drinking, is drinking and disciplining out of anger Mm -hmm. and maybe because of drunkenness, then I'm going to jump in I don't need lots of relationship there.
0: right?
1: But generally, we're going to admonish according to the level of relationship. So uh, if, to this person's question, if there are people who are in your family group, I think you have a role of admonishment there
0: Mm.
1: to the degree that we had to receive it. Um, Matthew chapter 7 would be a good place for you to go and look at what Jesus says Uh, there he says if your brother has a speck um, in his eye first get the log out of yours first deal Mm -hmm. with your own eye and then he says and he doesn't say and ignore the speck he says then help so part of admonishment the role of admonishment is a willingness to receive from others so I want to be able to cultivate a relationship with folks that says I invite you to speak into my life cuz it's hard to to speak into people's lives who aren't inviting you to speak into their life and i don't just mean it's hard it's hard to know when given this question it's always hard but it's hard to know when because i don't just run into people's lives and drop hand grenades and then run out right even though they might be good loving hand grenades
0: (laughs) intended Uh, for good yes
1: intended for good so Mm -hmm. uh, cultivate yourself to be a person who invites receives admonishment invites people to speak into your life and then um be a person who's responding to truth Jesus says Matthew 7 then help people with truth and Galatians says do that with gentleness recognize that it's hard to it's hard to receive admonishment so do it gently as one who is bearing their burden with them you're not just telling them to do something you're going to come alongside them and help them. So Matthew 7, Galatians 6 are two important passages. And both of those are the beginning, opening five verses that instruct us in how to admonish.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I, I think it's a good question. It's not yeah, it is. Um, especially out thinking inside or outside of a relationship, I think is so important. Because when you're in a trusted relationship like that, not that it makes it easier, but you ha- you do have common ground, like you have an existing relationship and trust. With that individual versus it's a good illustration, dropping a hand grenade right. and running off.
1: We just have the capacity to talk ourselves out of it.
0: Oh, yeah. Either way. In other right. words,
1: I don't know them well enough. Ah, oh, we're like friends and friends don't really. Oh, this can
0: make things awkward. Yes. Oh, what if they don't receive it well?
1: And just and sometimes we know what we need to do and we're just chicken. We're scared, we don't want to experience the uncomfortable situation, or we don't want to experience the potential consequence. So uh, if you're reluctant because of those things, you know the relationship there. Just be honest with your own fears, commit them to the Lord, and and go in gentleness and love.
0: And gentleness and love, I think, is a really important... That's
1: the Galatians 6.
0: Piece of that, right? Mm-hmm. And how you approach all of those things. I also think about that myself as a parent, like approaching and gentleness and love and correction, with the hope of yeah. I always bring it back to parenting. It's where I'm at. It's so real.
1: Hey, well, parenting is a. Um, I'd be very, very slow to go into somebody's parenting uninvited. Oh boy, yes.
0: Because
1: <laughs> yeah. nobody's out trying to destroy their kids. Right. I mean, genuine Christ followers—they're yeah. uh, not—they're not—they're doing what they—they're doing what they think is best, and if it's not in line with Scripture, we need to love them, but we need to go with the gentleness.
0: Absolutely, always with gentleness. Yeah. Well, anything else you'd like to leave us with this morning as we wrap up here?
1: Hmm. Um. I thought there might be a question regarding how are we how do we have unity in the faith and stand for truth mm. in the sense of I think in our present day we are in danger of elevating unity to the point of the sacrificing of truth so I just want to, I don't think I said this in the message. There is to be a unity of our faith. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean whatever you believe is okay. No, there is a content of our faith that we are unified in. But Jesus was very, very obvious in his confrontation of those who were perverting truth. So he did not... He did not commit himself to a unity to the extent of perverting truth.
0: It's a good reminder. Very good reminder. Well, we appreciate all of you joining us this morning, and thanks for your great questions, and hope you have a fantastic day.